Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship 2 coming to you with our Saturday night message. It's good to come and um, broadcast and bring the word of God to you. We're excited about the word we bring to you. And once again, we always encourage you to um, download our app if you like these messages and you want to hear them again. You also can reach out to us on that app for prayer or just anything you need from us. And we encourage you, if you love what you're hearing, tell your friends, family members you know about this. And we come to you every Saturday at 7 p.m. to speak a word over your life and just to minister to those that are in need of the word. And we're always encouraging you to be all that God called you to be. But we just want to be a blessing to you. But tonight we want to continue on talking about thirst. I've been talking about thirst and we are basing this series on the fourth chapter of the gospel according to John. Talking about the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And so we're going to continue on with that tonight. We Last week we talked about, just to go back a little bit, and we talked about Jesus meet this woman at the well really Jews had no dealings with Samaritans back then, but Jesus is talking to this woman and back then women didn't talk to men. And so we left off. I just want to read where Jesus begins to inquire about the woman. Um, Jesus said, if you knew who you was talking to, in other words, you asked him for a drink when he would give you living water. And Levin says, but she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where, where were you to, where you get, where are you going to get this living water? Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy so basically she's basing this on second week last week we talked about secondhand information okay getting the things of god the word of god from secondhand information in other words and i encourage you to go to the source allow you to pray and ask god to give you revelation of his word of who he is and who you are and I said also, there's nothing wrong with being under preachers and teachers to teach you the word of God. But at the end of the day, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal you because we can be wrong about certain things. We can be wrong, not intentionally, but sometimes we can miss it. So the scripture tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. You know, rightly divide. So if it can, if it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. And so therefore... You have to make sure that you go to God and hear him about the word. Because sometimes even with preachers, as we preach, what we preach should be confirmation of what God has already spoken to you. So we just don't want to take somebody's word for it. As I said before, in the last year, we deal with a lot of cliches that the body of Christ have come up with. And those cliches are not doctrine is sound, not, not based on sound doctrine. And so therefore, you have to make sure you hear from God, Holy Spirit, 
and rightly divide the world. You just don't just don't depend on preachers and teachers to give you the word. Thank God for the body of Christ need us, need them, and we are teaching you. But get into the word yourself. Allow God to speak to you about situations, about the word, about how what this means, and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So I encourage you to do that. But we picked up. So Jesus is said in 13 here. I'm reading from the New Living Train. It says, anyone, you reply, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will be will be, will not will never be thirsty again, but it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So we talked about eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal life is based on the gospel of john chapter 17 verse 3 where it says eternal life is knowing god and jesus christ okay we always hear traditionally we said when we're talking about eternal life we're talking about living with jesus one day we're going to spend time turning with jesus that is true but it's incomplete okay one day we are going to spend eternity with jesus but Eternal life is getting to know God and his son, Jesus Christ, intimately. Allowing God to speak to you, know him. Having a personal relationship with him. That's where eternal life is. So you can, God wants us to know him here on earth. So eternal life starts the moment you get born again and you begin to develop this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's what Jesus said. Now, that's not my word. That's what Jesus said eternal life is, knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, let's just go there real quick. I want to read it to you. Um, 17, I believe it's verse 3. And this, is, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. So Jesus right here, he defines what eternal life is. It is to know you, the true God and Jesus Christ. Okay, so he spells it out there, says, hey, will you want to know the Father and the Son intimately? All right, so we continue on. And then she says, so we're going to pick up here. In verse 15 tonight, verse 15 tonight, where it says, I'm going to read down to 26, okay? Reading time, then I'm going to go back and really be just getting to break it down and explain to you the message, really what, what I'm trying to get across tonight. It says, so Jesus, she, he says that, let me go back to 14, he said, and anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. 14 says, but those who drink of the water I give would never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So 15 says, so she responds, please, sir, the woman says, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Now, look, think about it. She's still thinking about the physical. Jesus talking about spiritual. She's still stuck on the physical. Jesus responded, his verse 16 says, go get your husband. Jesus told her, 17, it says, I don't have a husband. 
The woman re replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So it's 19 says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you, Jewish, insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gatherin, Gerzerin, where our ancestors worship Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. Your, your Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. It says, but the time is coming indeed this is, is here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Okay? For God is a spirit. And so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and the truth. 25, and it says, the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will express everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Okay, so we're going to unpack some stuff here. Um, so we see here, it says the, the woman is obviously drawn to Jesus in this story. She's drawing to him. He's having this conversation with her. He's very nice to her. And she, she's drawn to him. She's not sure what he has to offer, but she wants to know and is pretty, pretty sure that she wants whatever it is. So she's interested in what Jesus is offering, this water, this living water, though she would never thirst again. She's interested in it. So at first she asked him for the water that won't run out. She thinks he might be able to meet her physical need. So this is what, and when we talk about thirst, and I've been talking about thirst, most times people think about physical needs being met. And she's she wants her physical need met. And maybe you 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 want your physical need met, you know, where, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physical in your body, health-wise, you're thirsty for something, whether it's something that you're lacking in your life. And we think that, hey, Maybe you think that, hey, something in the natural can fill that void. And so you're searching for something physical to meet that need, to quench that thirst that you have. You're thirsting to be loved. You're thirsting to be, to feel important, to feel valued. And so what we do is we reach out for physical things to meet those needs. But Jesus is talking about spiritual needs. I heard one time somebody quote that you can be full but not be fulfilled. 
Okay, what does that mean? That means that you can have full of stuff. You can have all the cars, you can have the house, you can have the different relationships that you want. Um, you know, everything in action you can have access to, and you can make it your. You can pursue it, and you can you can accomplish. It. It's possible that you may accomplish, but those things are not going to fulfill you. Fulfillment comes from the inside. Okay, that's what fulfillment comes from. And so, are you seeking to be fulfilled, but you're searching for something in the natural? But Jesus takes the conversation to a personal level. I love you. He takes it to a personal level, asking her to bring her husband to the well. Ashamed that she lives with a man to whom she isn't married, she simply tells him that she doesn't have a husband. Jesus lets her know very quickly that she's not fooling him. So see, here's the issue here with this woman. So what was her issue? Jesus said, huh, go get your husband. So Jesus deals with the sin in her life without condemning her. He asked her, okay, where is, go get your husband. And she's living with somebody who's not married. And so this is, and I want to say this because we, we live in a time now where living without being married to somebody is okay so, you know and, and even christians we have embraced this um type of thing and we are living with people maybe you're living with somebody that you're not married with maybe you're saved but you're living with somebody you're not married the bible does condemn that behavior okay so it's not okay for you know we live in town where people say well you don't need a piece of paper you know to say to say you love somebody well jesus really if that wasn't important to god Okay, then he wouldn't have really pointed this out in this woman's life. Okay, he pointed it out and he let her know, okay, you're not fooling me. Okay, you, you, and she did speak the truth, but she was ashamed. You know, she didn't come out and notice that there was a shame there. So, a lot of times, maybe you're a person who's living with somebody, maybe you're saved, but you live with somebody, you're not married, and there's no shame where she was ashamed to tell her. And there should be some conviction. If you're living that way and let you know God still loves you, but the lifestyle that you're living is wrong. Okay, so he deals with that. And so the Samaritan woman responds much like ours might be. Okay, uncomfortable with the shift in the conversation, she turns it back on him. So she's uncomfortable with the we do the same thing whenever. You know, your sin is revealed or somebody talks about your your sin, then we become uncomfortable. You become uncomfortable with talking about the real issue, the things that's in our life that's not um, right with God. And so she becomes uncomfortable. So she turns and turns it back on him. OK, discussing the a more neutral topic of religion while trying to figure out how he knows what he knows. So she tries, she tries to deflect the conversation. She tries to change the conversation. She says, I, well, I don't really want to deal with it. How did he know that I was living with somebody? And so she, but Jesus is, is having none of it. Jesus says, no, we, we're not going to switch the conversation. So he cuts right through the religious pretense and talks about the matters of the heart. See, Jesus is not interested 
in religion. He's interested in relationship. He wants to deal with the matters of the heart. This is what God wants to deal with you, the matters of your heart. And when the woman has no pretense or conversation defense left, Jesus answers her spiritual question by revealing his true identity. He does tell her who he is, where he goes on to say, hey, I am the Messiah. I am the one. So I want to ask you a question tonight. This is the question we want to focus on tonight. Are you comfortable dealing with Jesus on a personal level? Or do you hide behind religious practices and safe conversations and prayer? Answer that. Are you, are you comfortable dealing with Jesus on a personal level like this woman? Are you comfortable bringing your thing, your your shortcomings, your sin, in this woman's case, to Jesus? Or do you hide behind religious practice? Do you hide behind religious? Are you religious? Because people, it's pump. this woman, as we talked about last week, she had some knowledge of who God was. She talked about, a, you know, Jacob, the well. She knew those things. Okay. And once again, we talk about secondhand information. But when Jesus began to deal with what was going on in her life, Okay, she became uncomfortable and she was she thought she could hide behind even though she goes on to say, well, when Jesus deals with her issue here. When Jesus says in verse 19, we'll go back to verse, it says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. When Jesus revealed, okay, I know that you are not living with somebody that you're not married with. And so she tells him, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is? Only a place on the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Garrison. So she's trying to deflect it. So she's going to her religion. She puts her religion out there and says, Hey, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. So are you hiding behind your religion? Or do you? Jesus wanted to deal with her on a personal level. And so people hide behind religion. Maybe you hide behind your religion. Okay. And then, but Jesus answers her question. Because he said, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will be no longer matters where you worship the Father on this mountain in Jerusalem. He said, he answers a question. But he he deals with her he's like i don't i'm not interested in your religious knowledge about you know worship he wants to get deal with her issue her thirst he wants to deal with that are, are you a person when asked about jesus you say um well you know what i go to church i say my prayers every morning every night um yeah, I do. I do take communion. I, I've been baptized. We're talking about we're talking about baptized water baptism because a lot of times maybe you're that person who think water baptism saves you, but water baptism does not save you. It only is basically you declaring in you're making a statement. You're letting people know that you identify with Jesus when you get baptized. That's what all you're doing. It is a public 
expression of an inward condition. You're letting the public, you're letting the world know that I've gave my life to Jesus Christ. And through baptism, you're letting them know that I will serve him for the rest of my life. So are you that person where I've been baptized? Because I know I've met a lot of people. Maybe you're that person who've been baptized. Maybe you got baptized when you was young and you really didn't understand it. But you got baptized. You thought that was was being born again. Salvation was. But no, that's not. That's part of the process. Okay, but you don't have to have water baptism to be born again. It is required in the Bible. God wants us to do it. We have the opportunity, but water baptism don't save you. Or are you that person that, well, you know, I give my offerings, my tithes and offerings, but that is, and all. so these are, these are religious things. Now, it's nothing wrong with doing them, but if they're done, you're only doing it just to prove somebody you have religion, that you have some knowledge of God, but you haven't, um, got born again and developed this relationship with Jesus Christ, then it's, it has no value to it. It has no significance to it. Okay. See, let me say this to you. Let me make this statement. Religion may allow you to ignore the instructions of God, but relationship won't. Let me say that again. Cause I love that. I love this statement. I love, and I think you need, we need to hear that. You need to hear this. Religion may allow you to ignore the instructions of God, but relationship won't. Religion will may allow you to ignore. You can, you know, be religious and ignore. In this case, this woman, she was religious, but she was ignoring the sin that was in her life. Okay, but when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to ignore the sin that's in your life. When you have this intimate relationship with Him, and you have you constantly growing and you're getting to know God, you will not ignore him because as you communicate with Jesus Christ, he will begin to speak to you about the things that's going on in your life. That's not glorifying him. Okay. Now, once again, we, we're not, whenever I talk about the sin in your life, most times people say, well, I'm not perfect. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about being consistent. We're talking about developing a, a relationship whenever even the physical when you're in a relationship if there's something wrong in a relationship okay you will go to that person and says hey this is what i don't like about you this is what i'm having a problem with i want to bring this to you why you bring it to that person because you love them and you want the relationship to flourish and get better but if there's something hindering relationship you go to that person whether it's your spouse whether it's a or your best friend anybody you know somebody in your family you go to them and says hey why because you know you can talk to them and you're concerned about the relationship and your relationship jesus is the same way when you study the word of god and begin in prayer then god revealed things about us that's going on in our lives that's not like him and he wants us to deal with it he's not going to force us to deal with it but hey so but just religion we ignore it because what do we do we say these things when we know we something is in our life that does not glorify god we begin to say well you know what nobody's perfect well you know i do know jesus i do pray every night i'm not perfect you know what i know god forgives all those things are true but 
you try to, you say, well, you know, I do pray every night. Maybe you're saying, you know, well, I do pray every night. I do go to church every, you know, Sunday when I get a chance. All those things are wonderful. But that's not going to develop that relationship with God. If you're using religion to deflect the things that's going on in your life, then, then that's what the enemy wants. And it's going to hinder you from growing. And this is not what God wants to be, have a close intimate relationship with you. So it's, it's easy to trust in religion when life is going good. But the test of faith is whether it will stand in the storm. See, you see, religion is either trusting religion when things are going good and you will do fine as long as nothing goes wrong with your religion. But when something comes to test your faith, will your religion stand the test of that storm? And I'm telling you, it's not going, religion is not going to help you when you're in a storm. Religion is not going to help you when life gets tough. It's not going to help you at all. It, it is your, it is that personal relationship with God that you can go to him and says, God, I, I need your help. God, something going on in my life. I'm hurting right now. I need answers. I need for you to heal me in this area. I need for you to strengthen me. I need answers in this area. God, I need you to comfort me. I need you. I need a word from you to know what direction to take. This is what relationship is all about. And this is what God desires. This is what he desires. Let me read. Let's look at Psalms 23 and 4. And listen to what David said in the song. And this song is very, very popular. We Most of us know this song. But listen to what David says. I'm reading from the New Living. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? He said, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. See, David said, even in my darkest hour, I will not be afraid because he says, you're with me. You're right there beside me. See, when you're in a relationship with somebody, it's one thing when you have an intimate relationship with someone, and they go with, go through you through a dark time in your life, a tough time in your life. Sometimes they may not have all the answers, but the very fact that they're with you, that they're there, they're there, they cry with you, they pray with you. You know, they're there to hold you. You know, when you're crying, sometimes you just want somebody there to go through it with you, to know that you're not by yourself, to know that, you know what, I got somebody I can talk to, to confide in. And they may not, sometimes you just want somebody to hear you. You know, you ever had that time where you just want to vent? And God, God is like that. God, you just want to vent about something? You just said, God, okay, I'm angry about this. God will listen to you. He can just sit there and says, okay, you want to vent? I'm here for you to vent. I'm here for you to express how you feel about something. He will hear you. He will listen to you and just comfort you in the midst of your struggle. So this is what religion is in. So my question, but if you hide behind religion, if you just know all the religious cliches, they're not going to do you any good. When, when as, as they say, when the rubber meets the road, when things get tough, as David's talking about here, in your darkest valley. Okay. All those little cliches that you know, 
okay? You haven't built the, that relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to begin to question on those cliches. You're going to throw them out because they're not going to help you. They're not going to help you when things get tough. But relationship, see, this woman was hiding behind religion, but Jesus says, I want to get up close and personal with you. I want to speak to your situation. I want to hear you in the area that you're struggling with, that you're thirsty for. I want to quench that thirst. That And, you know, if you really look at it, you know, one of the things you said she was, she was thirsty for love because she'd been married five times. And the guy that she was living with wasn't her husband. So you could say she was thirsty to be loved by somebody. And she was using, you know, using men to try to fill that void of love that she was lacking. But I love that. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, you, you will not be, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. This is what David said. David was talking about. He could say this because he had relationship with Jesus Christ. He had a relationship with the Father. He had a relationship with God. And he understood that, hey, you're in the darkest time. I know he's right there with me. I'm not going to be afraid. There's they're the difference between a genuine relationship with God and mere religion. There's the difference. So I want to ask you tonight. Do you have religion or do you have relationship with Jesus Christ? Okay. Do you have religion? You know, on, on, on the surface, they can look the same. You know, that person, you may see two people going to church and giving their offerings and they may pray and they may be involved in ministry. And you and two people, they look the same on the outside. But one of them spend that intimate time with God in the word. Spend time in prayer. Connecting with God, putting their worship music on and communion with God through worship music. You know, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to them and challenge them in the areas that they are weak on or the areas they need to work on. Or this, in this case, we look at the woman, if there's sin in your life, you know, you allow God to deal with you in that area. And you just don't push it aside. You just don't ignore it. And in this case, you know, this woman, you don't try to deflect or get off the subject of it. No, you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in that area and says, you know what? We need to work on this. You need healing in this area. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. So there's a difference between relationship and religion. Religion may go with you to the crisis, but a relationship with God will go with you through the crisis. Okay, so religion may go with you to the crisis. It may take you up to the point where, as I said, when you're going through a crisis, relationship will be right there in the midst of the crisis. God says, Lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Hebrews. Around the 13th, I says, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's relationship. To know that God will never leave you or forsake you. He says, I'm right there. 
So I want to go to Matthews. I want to give you a, a picture through the scripture of what religion looks like. People say, and we, we're going to be dealing with the Pharisees. I'm, and we're going to start at verse 13. I'm, I'm not going to read all of this in its entirety. I'm just going to read some of it because it's pretty lengthy. But I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. Okay. And we're going to begin to uh, just read how the Pharisee, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees about their religion. Okay. And he deals with them. And this is what, how religion tends to hide behind, you know, and give excuses about it. They, though you may be doing religion, you may be doing all the, the, the church things, the religious things, but you don't have relationship. And so he goes on to say, I'm reading from the message Bible. It says, do you want to stand out? Then step down, be a servant. This is what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you, you're content to simply be your, yourself, your life would count for plenty. Because he goes on to say, it's 13, it says, I've had with you. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Listen to how he talk. You're hopeless. You're, you religious scholars, you, you Pharisees, you frauds. See, this is what re religion, you know, may look at us and say, but basically you're a fraud. It says your lives are, roadblocks to the kingdom of God. You refuse to enter and won't let anyone else in either. So he was talking about, hey, you're roadblocks to the kingdom of God. You don't even, you claim you know about the kingdom of God, but you won't, you refuse to enter. You, what, the kingdom of God is connected to relationship, getting to know God. It tells us in, in Matthew's, I'll see you First, you see the kingdom of God and his writing and all other things. He says, get to know me first. That's basically what he's saying. He says, but you refuse to enter. He says, then you won't let nobody else in. See, they were the Pharisees. They were condemning everybody else. They won't enter in, but then they won't let nobody else have because they was condemning the Samaritans about what they were doing. And the things that how they want Jews and how they didn't they didn't go to the sanctuary and they didn't practice all these things about making sacrifices. But he said, you won't let nobody else go in either. Then 15 says, you hopeless, you're hopeless, you're religious scholars. And Pharisees knows he keep calling them religious frauds. You go halfway around the world to make converts. But once you get him you make him into a replica of yourselves he says also oh, you you making converse but you making them just like you religious you know condemning people you know not loving people like jesus talking down to people 16 says you're hopeless with your arrogant stupidity you say if someone makes a promise with his fingers crossed, that's nothing. But if you swear with your hands on a Bible, that's serious. That's ignorance. Does the, the leather on the Bible carry more weight than the skin on your hand? 
And what about this piece of trivia? So he let me just pause here. So notice he said, you know how people say, and we've seen that where people say, well, you know what? If I cross my fingers, you know, promise cross, that means I make the promise. And he was saying that y'all, you you saying that okay, crossing your fingers is nothing. It don't mean that. And we know it, okay. If somebody crossed their fingers and make a promise, that don't mean nothing. But he says, but you put your hand on the Bible. We see people all the time. Well, I, well, I swear on a on a stack of Bible. I put my hand on the Bible to tell you I'm telling the truth. And he was saying that don't mean nothing either. I love what he said. He said the, the letter on the, the letter on the Bible carry more weight than the skin on your hand. He's neither one of them means anything. And these are, are some of the religious things that we do, you know, which we, this is the religious person. You know, they're just where well, I put my hand on a stack of Bibles and, you know, swear by God's word that, you know, this is true. That doesn't mean anything. You still can lie. If you don't have a relationship, you still can lie with a straight face and you still can deceive people with a straight face if you don't have relationship. Continue reading. It says here, and what about a, this piece of trivia? If you shake hands on a promise, that's nothing. But if you raise your hands that God is your witness, that's serious. So we have people say, you know what? Um, let's shake hands on it. Well, you can shake hands on it, but that don't mean anything. You know, let's shake hands on it. Okay, he said that they said you may see people shake hands, but he says, but you raise your hands and because God is my witness. And then you see, we see people do that all the time too. Well, as God is my witness, they raise their hands up like this. As God is my witness, I believe that. That's basically just religion. Doesn't mean you have relationship. And so the promise of whatever difference does it make for you to make a promise? It said, what difference does it make for you to make a promise inside? Or outside a house of worship. Don't make no difference. Well, you make the promise on the inside or the outside. It says God is present, watching, holding you to your account regardless. Because sometimes people have this thing where, you know what? They can do, they won't do certain things in church. Okay. But they'll do it outside of church. You know, well, I'm not going to do it in church because they have this concept that God sees them. Well, God is looking at me, so I won't do it in church. But outside of church, it doesn't matter to you. You still do the same thing. When we talk about religion, but when you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter whether you're in church or outside of church. You still, you still are aware that, you know what, I'm in the presence of the Lord. You know, God is in me. And so, therefore, it does matter what I do. It's not just about being in the sanctuary or in the church building. Let me read one more here. It says, you hopeless and religious scholars and Pharisees fraud, you keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but on the meat of God's law, Things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look writing a life story that that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas 
and semicolons. So he was saying here, yeah, you give your offerings and that's good. You, kind of, you know, you tie it on every dime, you give your money, you commit. He said, but things like fairness and compassion and commit. He said, that's the basic of the word of God. That's basic. That's what we call relationship. Relationship deals with, you know, he used relationship word like fairness and compassion and commitment. He goes on to say, he says, careful book is commendable. So he didn't condemn people giving their money, being a blessing to the body of Christ, giving, you know, of your funds. But he said the basic not required. So God, he's basically saying it doesn't matter how much money you give. But if you're not being compassionate to people, you're not being committed to the things of God. As we talked about committed to living the life that God called you to live. Being committed uh, to being compassion or compassion and fairness to people, you're not committed in doing those things. He says, Hey, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything, it's just you're nitpicking. He said, You spend your life living the wrong way from start to finish. Okay, so let me read one more. I got to read this. It says, You're hopeless. You religious scholars and Pharisees and fraud. He said, you buff the surface of your cups and bowls so that they sparkle in the sun while the insides are maggoty with greed and gluttony. So he's saying, this is what religion does. Religion looks good on the outside. But it's messed up, but you're not doing anything for the inside. And this is religion. Religion looks good on the outside. And maybe you look good on the outside. Maybe you do the church thing. Maybe you go worship. Maybe you, you know, do all and try to say all the right things. But on the inside, relationship, it says you're dirty. You're not committed to the thing. There's commitment. You're living a life. That doesn't glorify God. Like I said, maybe you're in a situation where you're living with somebody you're not married with. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you're not, you choose to deal with. And you may look good on the outside when you go to church or when you, you know, in front of people and you talk about God and people know that you have some knowledge of God. But when they look at your life, your life doesn't exemplify a close interrelationship with God. And I want to challenge you on that tonight. That God, there's more to God than just religious cliches and going to church and giving your money. No, he wants you. He wants you. He wants that intimate, close relationship with you. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. That's what he desires. And so you continue to read on with that. Okay, but Jesus, with his first, he's dealing with, you just religious. You don't have relationship. And this woman, she, Jesus revealed to her, I want to be up and personal. And we talked, we asked the question. I want to ask again, are you comfortable dealing with Jesus on a personal level? Or do you hide behind your religion? I want to challenge you that don't hide behind your religion. Develop this personal issue because i'm telling you it's a wonderful thing when you get to know god and for who he is understand his character 
So what what do you think will happen if you let God tell you what he really wants from you? What do you think will happen? If God tells you what he really wants from you, do you know what he really wants from you? Or are you hiding behind religion? Ask yourself the question, how would, how would it be like be different if you let Jesus be everything to you that he wants to be? I'm tell you, your life would be totally different if you let Jesus be everything he wants to be in your life. You got to let him be that. But I thank God, thank God for seeing right through you so you don't have to keep pretending. See, God sees right through you, you and me. He sees right through us. He knows the stuff that's going on in our life. You can fool people, but you, you, you can't fool God. And he loves you. He's not condemning. A lot of times religion um, make, you know, tell us that God is mad with us and he don't like us. He's going to punish us. He's going to um, condemn us. And he don't want nothing to do with no. God knows. I think, look at this story of this woman. Jesus knew her situation. But he didn't condemn her. He didn't make her feel. He didn't try to make her feel bad. No. He simply let her know that, hey, I know what you're doing. And I love you. And I want to give you something. To quench your thirst. I know what you're doing. And he said, I want you better than that. And guess what? God knows what you're doing too. He knows the thing that you're dealing with. He knows you're struggling. He knows the, the, that you're high. You're hiding behind your religious background. But he says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give you this living water. He says, where you will never thirst again. He says, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. Where, hey, the things that you're dealing with, you're not going to want to do them no more. This is what he wants from us. So I challenge you tonight to allow yourself to deal, allow God to deal with you on a personal level. Get rid of all the religion. And what do I mean by that? Don't hide behind your religious practice. Reading the Bible is good. Going to church is good. God wants you to continue all that. But it has to become born out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just doing it to try to score points with God. He wants a personal relationship with you. So let me pray for you tonight. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the ears that are hearing me right now, I pray for that person who is hiding behind their religious practice, who, who are uncomfortable with their situations. But God, they are, they've been taught that they can't come to you, that if they come to you, you, you can condemn them, that you're going to, you, that you're angry with them, God. But let them know, God, through your word and through the words that I'm speaking, that you're not angry with them, but that you love them, but that you want to heal them in that area of hurt, in that area of, of sin that they are in. And let them know, thank you, God, that you have more for them in life than what they're receiving. 
that let them know that life is more than just food and drink, than just material possessions. Life is more than that. But God, you want an intimate relationship with them. I thank you for delivering them from that sin that they're in, that they will openly admit that that I need to change and that I need to come out of this. God, but give them a hunger. We thank you for a hunger for your word, a hunger for relationship, God. And I thank you for turning their lives around. I thank you for people seeing a difference in their life, that people may look at them and say, this is a person that has been changed by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thank you for doing it in their life right now in the name of Jesus. We receive healing. We in that area of thirst. That you fulfill that thirst in their life. More than than a command. God, your word says that you can do a ceiling and abundant more than we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I thank you for them receiving that on tonight. And I give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, I thank you for listening tonight. I believe that I've been a blessing to you. Receive this word on tonight, and I know that it will change your life. And we will be back again with you on next week with continuing talking about thirst. Once again, thank you, and I will see you again next week. Bye-bye.